welcome to Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Hello, friends. Welcome back and welcome to another edition of Candidates of Liberty. I'm your host here, once again, Mark Clare, here with a libertarian candidate for state representative in Ohio's 77th district. I'm very pleased to welcome Miss Chrissy Wickers. Chrissy, are you ready to roar? Well, I mean, people confuse my last name with whiskers, so rar, I'm ready. <laughs> they're big, giant, lion whiskers of liberty. Yes, they are. They're so big. That's what she said. <laughs> Bam. All right. So we're going to have fun today, Chrissy. You, you warned me this morning. You asked, are you ready for the fun that we're we're going to have here today. So I, you are ready to roar and I'm ready to have fun and find out more about your campaign. So before we really dig deep into what you're doing with your campaign, why you're running for office, I want to find out a little bit more about yourself. So why don't you just for, first starting off uh, telling everybody how you first became a libertarian, uh, either big L or small L, whichever came first there. And why are you a member? Why are you active in the libertarian party? Okay. So first um, I love this story. It's probably the best libertarian story ever because I'm the one true libertarian. Of course. When I was 16, I had just got my driver's license and I was driving down around everywhere and I saw a homemade sign that said Google Ron Paul. And this was in 2006. And I got home from, you know, driving everywhere and I was bored. My space was boring me. And I decided to Google Ron Paul and I saw he wanted to legalize marijuana. And I thought, hey, I'm a high school stoner and I want to legalize marijuana. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and my first election was going to be in 2008. So I decided maybe I should, you know, learn a little bit about different candidates. And I looked into Ron Paul, saw his views on the IRS and the Federal Reserve. And I thought, what's the Federal Reserve? You know, I went to public school, so I didn't really know what the Federal Reserve was. And uh, I did a lot of research. I looked at a lot of videos from Ron Paul and got hooked. Um, I volunteered for his campaign in 2008, ended up being paid staff for his 2012 campaign. And in 2012, um, I was a delegate to the RNC and I had been escorted out by security and uh, because I was a Ron Paul delegate and I saw how the RNC was treating people. And I, you know, I was young. I didn't really know too much about the or the Republican Party platform, but I, I knew that I was a Ron Paul supporter. So after the RNC treated us like crap, I did a little bit more research. To, I did a, an I side with quiz and saw that I sided with Gary Johnson. And I'm like, who's this clown? And uh, decided to look into him and learned about the Libertarian Party a little bit more and uh, never turned my back since. I got involved with the Libertarian Party pretty quickly. I've been a part of three different state LPs. I'm the deputy vice chair of the Libertarian Party in Ohio, and I've worked on a ton of Libertarian campaigns I can't even count anymore. And I just, you know, I really like spreading the message of liberty, and I really love that unlike going to the Republican meetings, I can smoke pot out of the Libertarian meetings. Not only that, I can take shots and all that too. And I'm not just a token woman like I was in the Republican Party. And, uh, you know, I found my home. I realized I didn't, I could love, you know, guns, hate taxes and not have to hate gays too. Was there much drinking at the Republican convention or was it just the Ron Paul kids that, that were having fun there? Oh, man. I mean, 
I was underage, so I wasn't drinking. So you have no idea. Because <laughs> <right. laughs> I'll tell you what, at the LNC, you know, th- that bar was open the whole time. That bar, bar was open at 9 a.m. And, and there was always a line. Yes. No, it was wonderful. At the uh, LNC, I was there with my fifth sitting on the desk with me. So... <laughs> I'm actually the chair of the Drinkers Caucus in the Libertarian Party. We might have to coordinate because I recently started uh, at the LNC the Moonshine Caucus, which is sort of a, more, a much more specific version uh, of the same idea. So we'll have to, you know, maybe talk about that after the show. <laughs> I swear, Libertarians, man. I say Drinkers Caucus, you say Moonshine Caucus. And that we all have to go. It's all the same idea. We're trying to spread liberty, but gosh darn it, we're trying to have fun when we're doing it, right? Yes, absolutely. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about what happened at, at the, uh, the Republican National Convention. You said you were escorted out by security because you were a Ron Paul delegate. Was there more to the story than that? I mean, were you doing anything at the time or was it simply because you're out there, you know, screaming and shouting for Ron Paul? Well, um, I mean, back then I was a little bit more, I, I, not many people can believe this, but I was even more rowdy back in the day. And I mean, I was waving a Ron Paul sign. I was yelling point of order over and over and over and over because they kept changing the rules on us without even opening the floor to debate. And Ron Paul's campaign in 2012 was very organized. We learned Robert's rules front and back. We learned all of the bylaws front and back. We knew when we were getting screwed. So I was yelling point of order and holding my sign. And this old lady, no joke, probably like 84 years old, grabbed my sign and hit me with it. So, so I ripped it back from her hands and we had a little tug of war and that's when security grabbed me and escorted me out. Um, they escorted the main delegation out because they were all Ron Paul supporters and they did not want, uh, they did not want Ron Paul supporters in there. So they escorted a lot of us out, had our alternates take our seats and I wasn't able to vote as a delegate. Wow. I guess they just uh, decided you were assaulting this old woman with her, with her poor sign, this poor innocent old woman. (laughs) Yeah, like this girl, she was feisty too. Like, I mean, she was a Southern grandma. So she was, she was just like, she's about to beat my butt with a spoon, man. And that seems so tame compared to a lot of the things that go on at the Libertarian National Convention. So it's got to be freeing to be at a convention where you know you can hoot and holler and, and like hold your signs out, yell point of order. And not only will you not be kicked out, you'll actually fit in quite well for it. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I could even go as far as waving a dildo and fit in. Oh wait, that's yes, been, you can. That's been done. I gotta. <laughs> you could do that. Gotta be more creative <laughs> next time, I guess. No dildos. Maybe we'll have to go full on like strap-ons. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, officially the spiciest episode of Candidates of Liberty already. Oh darn. I, I was hoping to get that within the first minute. It's been like three. <laughs> These are all camba- the campaign sound bites for you. <laughs> now, Chrissy, speaking of the campaign, how did we get here? What? How did you find yourself running for office here in the state of Ohio? From what I understand, it wasn't your original intention to, to uh, you know run for this position, but here we are. Yeah, so I've been pretty active in my state party, more active in campaigning for other candidates. That's kind of my specialty. Um, I'm a social, I'm social media marketer. Um, I do a lot of digital marketing for campaigns. And so that was kind of like my wheelhouse. I've done some campaign management. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy doing strategy. Um, and while I'm kind of, you know, uh, I, I'm not an introvert whatsoever. I'm fine with public speaking. I'm fine with being in the spotlight. That was never my intention because it's just way more fun to do it behind the scenes and be able to say fuck every once in a while. But, um, I was talking with my party. We had to turn in over 102,000 signatures 
to get on the ballot. And we did that. It took us 18 months and almost $300,000. But after we did that, uh, a couple of people in the party, we were all looking at each other like, okay, well, then who's going to run now, <laughs> now that we're on the ballot? And I had someone in my party ask, uh, well, who's running in your district? And I said, uh, nobody. Yeah, exactly. We were we were so close. So, you know, um, I said, you know what, I will like I'll run, I'll put my name on the ballot. Uh, and I don't know why my, my bright idea was just to have my name on the ballot because I'm kind of a perfectionist. And especially when it comes to my reputation, you know, I I want to I want to go I want to do big things, you know, I want to keep participating in political activism, keep doing campaigning, I want people to have my trust. So I couldn't do a half-assed job. So we got my name on the ballot and immediately, you know, just did what I did for many other campaigns. We got press releases out there. We got graphics done. We got uh, supporters lined up. We got debates lined up. And, you know, it kind of took off. We've been really lucky. We haven't been excluded from any debates. Actually, we have four coming up, and I'm invited to all of them. Wow. I've, yeah, I've had two, uh, two or three just in the newspaper uh, appearances for my campaign, we get a lot of media and it's, it's only, uh, it's overwhelmingly positive. I'm not going to say it's completely positive. There's been a hit piece, but uh, we've, we've been, we've been everywhere and it's actually pretty interesting. But aside from two or three campaigns in Ohio, we're probably the most organized campaign here. So <laughs> It's uh, to go from just a few months ago, because I only put my name on the ballot in July. So to go from I'm just going to be a paper candidate to having one of the best performing campaigns is just it's crazy. I, every day I wake up super stressed out, but I'm like, I can't believe this. That's awesome. And why, why do you think you've been able to, to garner so much attention uh, in the media locally? Why are you receiving this positive response as opposed to uh, just the full on, you know, sometimes you'll get the full on negative response to libertarians, but more often than not, you're just going to be ignored. So what, what's been the key to your success there? So I think uh, there's a couple answers to that. So first and foremost, I'm running for office in my hometown. I grew up here. I've participated in my community my pretty much my entire life, um, all of my adult life. I have I've organized protests. Um, I've been a pretty outspoken environmentalist for quite a while, and I do a lot of this in this general area. So I already had some name recognition. And uh, the the other answer is is because you know I'd like to say oh we're lucky, but it's a lot of hard work. I contact my local media pretty often. Um, I, I contact all of the organizations around pretty often. And I'm talking like three, four times a week. I'm sending press releases. I'm sending emails to these people asking to speak. The debates we actually got invited to weren't even going to happen. We just happened to, we wanted to debate. We wanted to debate both of my opponents and we noticed that there was no debate, so we got a hold of organizations, asked them to host debates. They decided to host them, and my opponents agreed. So um, we've just been kind of on the ball. We've been in your face. Um, and I guess the last answer would be I'm kind of a controversial candidate. Now, I've, I've been arrested for possession of marijuana. Um, I have been on Dr. Phil for having sugar daddies. 
I, uh, yep. Uh, that one's a fun one. Can we post the video to that in the, uh, in, in our show notes? Absolutely. If you want, I, I know there's video out there. Yep. So. It's actually, they posted it in the newspaper article that they, that they wrote. Um, they put it, they put it online. So it's actually, you know, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I did, but, um, and actually most people don't. Um, I was arrested because I didn't want to give the police my name. So they charged me with falsifying information and uh, they got, I got a nice little quote in the newspaper, though. It said they asked, they actually asked me for a comment, and I was honest, and I told them, yeah, like, these are all things that have happened. Congratulations, you did a Google search. And uh, they asked me, well, why did you lie to police? And I said, well, because I was feeling a little extra anarchist that day. And <laughs> not only did they print that quote, they made that into a meme. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Well, you, you can never have enough memes when you're running running a libertarian campaign. Yes. So that that gave us a lot of attention because, you know, um, all publicity is good publicity. But what it did is it showed that I was a human. So a lot of there was a lot of public interest in my campaign after that. I had uh, a lot of money and donations from people that in my district that I didn't even know. I got volunteers signing up that, you know, I, they weren't part of the party. You know, it's really hard for libertarians to get volunteers that aren't already volunteering with the state party, but I have, you know, a couple dozen volunteers at this point, And most of them were never involved with the party before. And it's because they saw a, I don't like calling myself a politician, but you know, I guess I'm going to have to own it, but they saw a politician in the newspaper being asked about their past and then being, and then they saw me being honest. So they, that resonated with a lot of people and they were, um, they're, they're pretty happy about it. And I mean, my district went 68% to Trump. So they, they love the grabbing by the pussy politicians. <laughs> they're cool with shooting from the hip. Yes. <laughs> uh, Chrissy, when you're out there campaigning, I know there's a, a lot of issues that you're passionate about, a lot of issues that you know may or may not connect with voters. What do you find yourself out there talking about? What are the issues that you're the most passionate about when you're out there speaking with you know your potential uh, voters? Well, there's, I have probably two that are, I'm, I'm not only passionate about as a candidate, but I'm passionate about as an activist. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to see marijuana completely decriminalized that, you know, no laws on the books. Um, I know it's pipe dream, but hey, I'm a libertarian, we dream. But I would like to see that completely decriminalized as someone that has had uh, a possession conviction. I've been charged with possession a few other times. Um, as someone with a conviction, it was hard for me to then, you know, further my education because I had to prove that I wasn't going to spend my loan money on drugs. Uh, it was hard for me to even get into any kind of career field because I had a possession charge from when I was 22. So that's something that's really uh, a really big deal for me because I know that it's it's not just about, oh, look at the money we'll save, look at the money we'll get. It's about lives that can stop being ruined over a plant. So uh, not only that, but in my district, we have, uh, we have such a bad opioid crisis. We have about an overdose a week. Uh, my district is very small, uh, but we have, I'm in, I'm in rural Ohio. So we're, we're a little tight knit community and we have an overdose a week and someone dying from an overdose. So uh, from opiates and in, in order to help at least put a dent in this opioid crisis, we have to legalize marijuana and allow people to use that as a medicine to either get off 
of heroin or possibly use before they ever get prescribed pain pills. I think it's a lifesaver. So that's that's probably my strongest issue that I feel very, very uh, passionate about. The second would be ending the income tax here in Ohio. Um, You know us libertarians, we like to yell taxation is theft. Uh, I'm not a taxation is theft gal, though. I'm more like a taxation is extortion if we're being technical gal. So um, I, we, we pay, the average person pays $1,300 a year in income tax. Of course, you know, that can go up dramatically depending on how much money you make. So we're spending that much money and we're not getting anything in return. We have so much wasteful spending. We're billions and billions and billions of dollars in debt. Uh, each Ohioan owes $7,500 right now just to pay off that debt. So I'm saying you know, when I, when I was a teenager, my dad said, if you can't, you know, handle responsibilities, I'm taking your car away and I'm taking your money away. So that's what I want to do to the government. Like, okay, we need to stop giving you this money. And not only that, but it's, it's our money. And once you give everybody that $1,300 a year back, they can choose to spend it on what they want. So those two issues I'm probably the most passionate about, um, and both of those are very popular in my district. So I'm excited to be the voice for those issues because it's never been talked about in my district before by anybody running for office. All right. What, what kind of reaction, what, what of those issues, like what seems to connect with voters the most? What seems to get them most excited about your campaign other than your brutal honesty? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say definitely the brutal honesty. Most people would say that I am not shy about my opinions and I'm not, uh, I, I don't coddle feelings. But uh, I would say, especially with the decriminalizing marijuana, a lot of people have had the same life instances as me. They have been unable to further their education. They've been unable to get a job. They know somebody like that. Um, Maybe they smoke weed recreationally, or maybe they use it uh, medicinally. You know, we do, we did legalize medicinal marijuana here, but uh, they had two years to roll it out. And guess what? It's still not done. So we have a lot of patients going without medicine. And so that's, that definitely resonates. That message resonates with people. They really want to, they want to see something done about it. They hear it all the time, but they know what happens as soon as they get in the office, a Republican and Democrat, they're beholden to their parties. And if their party doesn't want to do it, they're not going to do it. I'm not beholden to a party because we're libertarians and nobody can detain us. Um, but I'm, our, our, our party 100% supports that. So I think that they see that, Hey, this isn't a normal politician making promises. This is someone who's willing to do this. Uh, we've actually drafted up a, a model bill for this, um, that I, that I show supporters that they want to see, like, this is the bill that we want to pass. It's only one page. So, uh, they, you know, they enjoy that. They enjoy the fact that I actually mean what I say, and I think that they, my track record has proven that I mean what I say, because as an activist, you know, like I said, my whole life, I've been an activist, I've organized protests, I've been arrested for protesting quite a few times, once by Homeland Security, and so they see that I'm willing to kind of put my money where my mouth is, so uh, that really is resonating with people, and with the income tax, Again, um, I show people, a lot of people ask, well, what about the roads? 
And then I show them like, look at all this wasteful spending. Like we give millions of dollars to the grape growing industry for their marketing. When's the last time you heard of Ohio's grape growing industry? I, I can't say I have. Never. That's not one of our industries. So why are we giving them millions of dollars to market? Um, our state has a monopoly on the liquor and we can cut that right there. So, you know, a lot of people see that I'm not just talking. I have actual ideas. I have them on paper. I can show them and see and and show them like, look here, this is what we're going to do. This is what we want to do. Now, can I say that I'm going to get this done? No, of course not. Because I have, I mean, there's 99 representatives, but what I can say is, as I'm going to try my best and if the Democrats in the House don't want to help me pass a legalization bill, then they're going to have to be talking to their constituents because that's what their constituents want. If the Republicans don't want to help me cut the income tax, their constituents are going to be asking them why, because those are both issues that both those parties hold up dearly. So I'm going to do my best to do those things. And I think a lot of people see that that's I'm willing to do that. All right, Chrissy, one last question for you. I'm curious of all your time here spending, you know, that you spent in the Libertarian Party around libertarians, are there any positions or viewpoints uh, that you either disagree with or that you're maybe not fully on board with or just have, uh, you know, maybe a, a nuanced position on? Anything that you, you maybe have to put a little more into than, than you know, your average libertarian? Well, everyone's mean to me because I'm an environmentalist vegetarian. <laughs> um, oh, I know. I know. Like, I know you probably want to end this podcast now. Um, I'm one of those. <laughs> this is no longer airing. I'm sorry. You wasted your time. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I'm like a super hippie. It's really weird. So mo- most of my activism has been in health food and environmental work. So I'm one of those people that's like, hey, if we have the government, maybe we should have a government to, you know, help the environment. Um, I know, I know, I know, don't shoot me. Uh, I have a lot of people that hate me over it. But the way I see it is, is the, the non-aggression principle applies to, to me and my property. And if, if someone or some entity is poisoning my environment, they're they're aggressing against me and they're definitely aggressing against my property because they're poisoning my property. So why can't we apply the NAP, uh, you know, to pollution? Now I know a lot of people are like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Like you freaking dork. But I feel like I think that's an issue that libertarians could get stronger on. Um, I'm actually, going to um, an event with Citizens Climate Lobby next week and going to be hanging out with them for a couple days. And I think I'm the first libertarian ever that's been invited to a climate change conference. Well, well, well. You should be able to make some friends there. Uh, They're already my friends. And I actually actually thought about like running a poll on Facebook if people thought, uh, like who people think donate to me more, libertarians or environmentalists. Because even though I'm running as a libertarian uh, for state representative and I don't even bring up the environment in my platform, environmentalists have donated almost double to my campaign than libertarians. So they may be jobless hippies, but they're generous jobless hippies. 
Hey, well, I mean, that's the kind of thing we need. We need people out there that are able to talk to people from all different point of views. Because if we just have the current people that agree with libertarianism, we're not going very far. Uh, we need to find people that may never even fully agree with libertarianism and at least get them on board on, on some bigger issues. And I think when they see someone like yourself who uh, you know is unabashed in, in their views and who may be able to really connect with them on that environmental, environmental issue, at least, you know, it's a way to kind of bring them in and show them, well, hey, maybe if, if you think I'm reasonable on this one thing, maybe look at some of the, some of the other kind of things I'm out there talking about too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, you know, um, I organized, uh, for March Hence Monsanto and we had like three, 4,000 people each March. And I met a lot of people and I'm personal friends with a lot of people from that movement. And you wouldn't believe how many of them voted for Gary Johnson over Jill Stein simply because I talked to them like they were humans. Uh, like they were capable of understanding. I didn't call them commies, not one time. I did, no cups, no commies came from my came from my mouth. I talked to them. I said, you know, um, it, we we really hate the FDA and we hate the EPA. We feel like they're not helping us, right? You know, we're environmentalists. We hate that Exxon Mobil runs the EPA. We hate that Monsanto runs the FDA. So so the government's failing us there. And well, so don't you think maybe the government's failing us in other places? Like, let's look at healthcare, let's look at education, let's look at all of this and see that the government doesn't have our best interests at, at, at heart. And, you know, they always, a lot of them would say, you know, but you libertarians hate the poor. And I said, no, 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 listen. I don't think that there's one person that's seriously running for office. I know there's some keyboard warriors that say this, but people's, libertarians that are seriously running for office and seriously want to affect change they they all agree that they're not going to just cut off food stamps tomorrow. They're going to start with, you know, legalizing marijuana. They're going to start with, you know, giving getting rid of the income tax. They're going to start with cut, cut those corporate food stamps first. Yes, you know? Absolutely. That's what they're going to do. They're going to get rid of corporate subsidies. They're going to do all that first. And then by the time we have, you know, we have some move, free movement to get to the to personal welfare, their people aren't going to need it anymore. So that's, that's a non-issue. And, you know, so once you, once you talk to them, talk to environmentalists, talk to green partiers, talk to Democrats, even, um, once you talk to them a little bit, like they're humans, they respond like they're humans. And, you know, it takes a few conversations, but it's totally worth it. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's happened to you where you watch someone's mind change and you watch someone really understand the message of Liberty and, Oh, yeah. It's it's a, it's such a beautiful feeling because, you know, that happened to me once, you know, with Ron Paul. And, you know, I, I love being that person for people. And I know a lot of us really feel like we should reach out to the right. Um, but my kind of specialty is reaching out to the left or even center left, you know, people that um, are green partiers, because I think that those are some good allies. These are people, uh, the people that care, you know, Republicans are the people that we want from the right, you know, they're smart fiscally, but they really don't have any heart. And the Democrats that we want, you know, they're, they have a lot of heart, but they're just not that smart. I think it's easier, it's easier to teach a Democrat um, economics than it is to teach a Republican how to have a heart. That's, that's my, you know, experience. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that my campaign can do that. And I'm glad that I can bring libertarianism, libertarianism into those different venues and those different uh different areas 
Absolutely, Chrissy. Well, I do appreciate you coming on the show on Candidates of Liberty and sharing your campaign with our audience. Uh, before I let you go, why don't you just let everybody know how they can find out uh, how they can find out more about your campaign and how they can get involved in these these final few weeks before the uh, before the election. So you can go to my website that is uh, chrissyforohio.org. It's K R Y S S I and for Ohio.org. Find me on Facebook, again, with K-R-Y-S-S-I. Literally just type that in. I'm pretty much the only one with that name that's ever existed. So, um, and I'm on Twitter, Liberty underscore Chrissy. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty active in, uh, on social media. I like to complain a lot. You know, I'm a libertarian. So, nah, come on. You'll see, you'll see me pop up here and there. Uh, you know, of course, I'd love donations and that, I mean, you can't do anything without money, but I'd also love if people wanted to help phone bank and uh, send some letter, letters to the editors, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's so many people who don't want to leave their keyboard. I mean, I'm there for them. I know I don't want to leave my keyboard either. So I have phone banking jobs and everything for those people. All right, Chrissy Wickers. Thanks again for coming on the show. Wish you the best of luck with your campaign. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, kitties, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chrissy Wickers, or Chrissy Whiskers, whatever you want to call her. Please do check out her website. I will link to that, and I will also post her little Dr. Phil segment for uh, her sugar daddy days, <laughs> if you want to check that out, because she doesn't hide who she is. She doesn't hide her past at all, and that's, I think, something that's very refreshing about uh, Chrissy Wickers. About I think libertarian candidates in general tend to have uh, more of this being themselves on the campaign trail vibe to them, which is really just so refreshing about talking to all these liberty candidates. And we've talked to so many that, as you know, because it is now Thursday, if you're listening to this the day it's released, we are doing this show, Candidates of Liberty, twice per week, every single Tuesday and Thursday for the rest of October. So uh, just to uh, get some more candidates in, there are so many out there. uh, There's no way we could possibly get to all of them or even close to it, but we are happy that we've been able to highlight a good number of really, really great candidates out there. So please do check out Chrissy Wickers. Please do check out all of our candidates' interviews, which you can find over at lionsofliberty.com slash candidates. And the show notes for today's show, this is episode number 10 of Candidates of Liberty, which means you can find the show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash col10. Don't forget get to tune in tomorrow for another look at the broken criminal justice system when John Odermatt brings you another edition of Felony Friday. Until next time, kids, why don't you live long and live free?